Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Dot Differently. This is Jeremy Kalinowski. And today we are studying Tractate Yivamot, page 21. Our page today is mostly devoted to Shniot Ba'arayot, those rabbinically enacted uh, rules of incest prohibition. The blood relations are laid out in the Torah in the book of Leviticus, the prohibited sexual relations between blood relatives and marital relationships. And our page mostly is devoted to those more extended relationships, such as your child's grandchild-in-law or your great-uncle's spouse or things like that. Uh, and it'll spin your head a little bit. But in addition, there's a tremendous moral teaching, which uh, which is characteristic of the rabbi's approach to this question. So what I'm going to do on today's page is to share with you uh, that teaching and their approach to rabbinic legislation, and also also share with you one short comment of the Tosafot, the medieval Bible, the medieval Talmud commentators, and their application of one of the laws mentioned on our page. So, who were the Tosafot? They were literally Rashi's intellectual and uh, and physical descendants. Rashi lived from 1040 to 1105 in the Champagne region of France, although he received his own Talmudic education in the Rhineland. And when he returned home to run the family business, he had with him notebooks that are, that are the basis of his commentary. And they resolved uh, many questions that are, that are uh, on the page itself. They sort of help you get through the, the nuts and bolts and the semantics of a given Talmudic discussion. But they don't resolve every problem, and they certainly don't compare one sugya in place A to what might be said elsewhere in place B. And the Tosafot, the word literally means additions or appendices, uh, began with Rashi's commentary and asked new questions and, and compared a given passage to other passages. And what's so fun about the Tosafot, what's really great achievement of theirs, is that you'd almost say, as in the words of the great uh, Professor uh, Orbach of Hebrew University, it's not that they commented on the Talmud, it's that they continued the Talmudic discussion. They raised new questions, and in their dialectics, uh, proposed proposed different kinds of answers. And that's exactly what happens on our page today. Our page offers the view that a man can marry the widow or divorcee of his uh, father-in-law. Not his wife's mother, but his father-in-law's former wife. Similarly, a man may marry his uh, stepson's former wife, but not his stepson's daughter. And a man is said to be able to marry his stepfather's uh, wife and daughter. Okay, so in the upper left-hand column of your page, you see the Tosafot. It's the second one, the big word, umutar ve'eshet chamav. A man is permitted to marry his stepfather's, uh, it's rather his father-in-law's former wife. So that is the ruling of the Babli. Father-in-law's former wife is a permitted relationship. But if you will follow along with me here on the, in that page, it says, the Tosafot say, V'yushalmi eshet chamav asura. 
But in the Jerusalem Talmud, the other collection of rabbinic, uh, ancient rabbinic teachings, it says the exact opposite. It says that a father-in-law's former wife is forbidden. Why? Mishum marit ayin. The famous, the famous rabbinic answer, maris ayin. It doesn't look good. That, that it looks as if a violation is going on. It'll set tongues wagging. So we shouldn't do something that produces a bad impression or misimpression. As is their style, the Tosafot raise a series of questions and resolve them. The next question is, Ve'im tomar Torahi la'asura. Wait a minute, what do you say? It's the, it's the rabbis who forbid such a relationship, uh, or permit such a relationship. The Torah should forbid it, and then they resolve. That's, that's not true. The Torah does not forbid this relationship. It's the case of David, who is said to marry Shaul's concubine. And Shaul is, of course, uh, David's father-in-law. And then the Tosafot continue, and they note that that same Jerusalem Talmud passage relates, Ka'amar nami shnechorgim shegadlu babayit asura mitnei maridayin. Two stepchildren who grew up in the same house are forbidden to marry, because that is also maridayin, that also doesn't look good. And yet our page here in the, in the Babylonian Talmud had said that a man is permitted to marry his stepfather's daughter, that is to say, Two, two stepchildren are allowed to marry each other. So what we've got is a conflict between these two authoritative sources, of the Babylonian Talmud and the Jerusalem Talmud. Babylonian Talmud typically takes precedence, but the Tosafot seem to prefer the Jerusalem Talmud view, which is stricter, and I think we can say, from my perspective at least, uh, in fact, more attractive view. So what happens if two stepchildren want to marry? The Tosafot continues. Rabbi Hanina Omer, Rabbi Hanina says, Yesbun be'atra de lo They should go to a place where they're not known, because they're not actually doing anything wrong. The only problem with them getting married is the social meaning of it, the tongues wagging and maritime. So go some town where they're not known. And of course, there was no, you know, telecommunications in those days. They really could have moved to a different locale and, and been married with no problem. So the Tosafos were not only text commentators, they actually issued rabbinic rulings. And now our Tosafot says something really interesting. It relates a case. Uma'ase b'provancia. Once there was a case in Provence. Be'echad shahayat ifchot ha'guach mazug. There was a guy who had slaughtered the animal and mixed the wine. That is to say, he had paid the caterer's bill. Everything was all set for his wedding. Lisa eshet chamav. To marry his father-in-law's former wife. The Apsidei Rabbeinu Tam Lasudate. But Rabbeinu Tam, Yaakov ben Meir, who was Rashi's grandson, canceled the wedding. He ruled that it was not to take place, and he cost the guy all the catering bill for the entire feast. And why did he do such a thing? But our text permits one to marry the father-in-law's former wife. Vichor go. And the stepson, uh, and the stepchildren. And the answer that it proposes, Shema Acharkach Asarum, well, maybe some other ruling as reflected in the Jerusalem Talmud, uh, comes to forbid. Now the Tosafot, the next final, final maneuver in our short essay here is that they compare our passage to another passage in Talmud. Umihu basof mashuach milchama, however, at the end of, uh, the chapter 7, I believe, in Tractate Sota, the, What's the name of the chapter? Mochiach sugya de lo chayshinen lamarit ayin gabe chorga hagedela ben ha'achim. Over there in tractate, uh, tractate Sotah, it does clearly say 
that the problems of the tongue wagging and the inappropriate appearance of two stepchildren marrying is not to be taken too seriously because everybody knows that they're, everybody in the given town should know that they're actually just stepchildren and not biological, biological siblings. Now, it's probably not a surprise that the rabbis lavish attention on, uh, on these questions of, of consanguinity and incest. Like almost every religion, this is a religion with a great many sexual prohibitions and anxiety about proper sexual relationships. And our page speaks with uh, great enthusiasm for not only following the biblical uh, prohibitions, but the great greatness of the sages. King Solomon is, is, uh, is considered to have instituted, legislated new expansive shni'ot, these rabbinic, rabbinically legislated extra categories of separation. And this is something that the rabbis care a great deal about. They think that this is making offense around the Torah in a very helpful way, preventing people from accidentally sliding into sin. However, like a great many passages in rabbinic literature and halachic literature, the rabbis stress that these mitzvot, which are uh, important ritual commandments, are sometimes not as important, or in some ways not as important, as interpersonal commandments of such as you know, business ethics, for example. Our passage will quote Rabbi Levi, who was a third century Palestinian authority, is saying, Kasher onshin shel midot yoter me onshin shel arayot. The punishment for having dishonest weights and measures, putting your thumb on the scale in business to uh, to defraud somebody else, is worse than the punishment for violating the sexual uh, incest prohibition. Our sages say that when you get to heaven, uh, after you pass away, the first thing they ask you is, were you honest in business? And Rabbi Levi has a teaching just like that. The, the Ariot are important prohibitions, but how you treat each other in business are even more important. Maimonides, in his Laws of Theft, quotes that very line. I mean, the very last uh, rule of, of chapter 7 of Hilchot Geneva, the Laws of Theft, he says, Kasher onshin shel midot, the punishments for, uh, for violating false weights and measures are even worse, yoter mi onshin shel arayot, more than the sexual prohibitions, because the one is only a matter between you and God, but this is the business ethics are also between you and other human beings. Anyone who denies the necessity of honest weights and measures, Maimonides says, denies the exodus from Egypt, because all the mitzvot depend upon the exodus from Egypt. But alternatively, if you accept the command of treating each other ethically in business, but, but if you uh, accept the necessity of just weights and measures, then you affirm the meaning of our exodus from slavery in Egypt, because that is the reason for all the commandments. Thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.